baseball money is fake on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. Welcome to Baseball Money is Fake. Thanks to Baseball Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. As always, I am Blake Meyer, joined by my man Ryan Gilbert. How are you doing today, Ryan? Doing pretty good here, Blake. Uh, just we just a little uh, inside uh, Baseball Money is Fake. Just got off our uh, interview with our today's guest, Stephen Sousa Jr. It was a very um, great interview with him. I, I enjoyed chatting with him, learning about what he's doing. He, he had some good takes on um, you know, the major leagues, like some, some pitchers he faced, everything going on. So a, a lot of uh, good topics covered and a lot of good uh, conversation. Yeah. First uh, former major league player on. Awesome dude. Found out before the recording started that me and him were practically neighbors growing up because we're like the same age and we grew up in like the same like block radius of each other which is pretty cool uh he's an awesome guy he gave us a lot of uh some inside mariners talk which you guys know i love my mariners i got to mention jared kelnick again because <laughs> he did help a little with kelnick's timing at the beginning of last year so i had to ask him about that but yeah it was an awesome 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 interview and if you guys are hearing this right now and you like what you hear, you can follow us on all of our socials at Fake Baseball on Twitter, the coolest at on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the show on Discord, where we have our network Discord is sg.pn slash Discord. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any streaming platform you may listen to. We're everywhere. And I hate to be the one to beg, if you guys want to leave us a little five-star rating with a review, that helps us a ton. We are working our way up the podcast charts currently. We're on a little bit of a roll right now, so any love you guys give us, it's greatly appreciated, and it means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I said this, I think, a few a few shows ago, but say it here at the top. If you're listening on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network feed, that's great. Love that. Uh, but also make sure you subscribe to the Baseball Money is Fake feed and Give us the downloads there and help the uh, show grow so we can have more awesome guests and just continue to pump out the content here as baseball season. I mean, we're a week away from from end of January, going to be pitchers and catchers soon and then spring training. So it's uh, it's exciting times here. Uh, and I'm, we've had a great offseason so far. I'm just excited for uh, the rest of it. Oh, my. I know like we're ramping up our baseball content here at the network. Next month is going to be big for us. And I also a little uh, inside Blake news. I got my fantasy pros article assignments for next month. So my first fantasy pros articles will be coming out as well. And we may also have another big episode this week, believe it or not. Like I said, we're on a roll right now. So, uh, I mean, I think all we got left is the the ad read before we hop right into our awesome interview with Steven. Yeah, as always, uh, we are presented by WinBet. 
WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. NFL playoffs are here. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, bet $100, get $100, limited to state availability. And of course, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get $1,000 in free credit. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. If you're 20 or older and present, they were play through winbet as available. If you're somebody who has a gambling problem, call 1-800-922-4700. And without further ado, here is Steven Souza Jr. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Second episode of the week. I know we already did the little intro, but we are here with our guest, Steven Souza, former Major League ball player. How you doing, Steven? I'm doing great, fellas. Excited to be on here with you. Yeah, Except- thanks for coming on. It's always uh, always a pleasure to talk with uh, someone. You're, you're our first uh, former Major League player, so this is uh, exciting for us. Wow, what an honor. I feel honored to, to be the mold, break the mold, whatever way you want to say <laughs> it. Be the pioneer of the former Major League players to hop on your guys' show. I appreciate that. I know you spent, was it eight seasons in the majors? Uh, last uh, year you I got s- to come to. People keep saying that, but it's actually nine. I spent nine in the big leagues. So I have full, not seven full seasons, but parts of nine seasons is what I was in the big leagues. Fangrass is out here doing you a disservice right now. <laughs> I know. It's unbelievable. Baseball, baseball reference too has you at eight. Same thing. I, well, even on MLB. So I think what happened was I missed all of 2019 with my knee injury. But I was ah yeah that's where see the, that the makes comes. sense yeah yep yeah well we're gonna have to talk to somebody to get that fixed because <laughs> that's right that can't that's happen you guys can be my voice put some respect on your name <laughs> <laughs> but I know you came you came to the hometown team Seattle Mariners last year for a little bit I gotta I gotta ask what was it like playing for the hometown team it was a dream come true man um. Even just, you know, I was only 10 days. I was there short-lived. But uh, spring training, just in general, uh, I didn't take it for granted. Walking in every single day and seeing my name on that uh, on that Mariners jersey, man, was crazy. And then being able to eat your roast hanging out there every day. Mike Cameron's hanging out there. Dan Wilson, Edgar. These are the guys I looked up to that, that really motivated me to get into baseball um, they were my heroes and to bump elbows with them and just casually eat lunch and talk. Um, it was almost like God was kind of giving me this like parting gift out of my career was like, Hey, you know, you're, you're done, you're playing, but this is a cool <laughs> little way that, that you're going to go out. And I was super grateful. I remember this, this, this one moment in spring training, I let off, I hit a grand slam first at bat, never done that. I, I'm terrible in spring Damn. training, but I come in and, um, Dan Wilson grabs me and he's like, wow, you know, that's a different sound off of your bat. And I told Dan, I go, and I, I you know, I high-fived everybody else. And I came back and go, Dan, I just got to tell you this, man. I go, if my five-year-old self could hear you say that, he would be jumping in his bedroom <laughs> in his underwear. And so he laughed. And, uh, but it's true, you know. Um, it was such a cool moment uh, for, you know, somebody I looked up to so great to say that to you. Yeah, that's awesome. And I got to admit, I Dan. 
Wilson's a lot bigger than I thought he was. I was at the Rainier's uh, media day last year, and I got to be like in the batting cages and everything, and he was pitching some BP. And I was like, dang, he's a bigger dude than I thought he was. He is, man. He's he's put together. Um, Mike Cameron, same thing. You just don't realize it until you stand next to these guys. Some of these guys are big dudes. Yeah, that's wild. But what I wanted to get into before we get too deep into the baseball stuff is I know you've got some stuff going on right now. Why don't you tell us about what you got going in your after baseball life? Yeah, so um, while I was playing, I bought into this company called Base by Pros. And it was honestly, it was uh, one small building with uh, about four or six cages, not nothing too crazy. And uh, it was more investing in the guy that was doing it. And his name was uh, Brent Lillibridge. Um, and this guy, let me tell you, is the gold standard on how you want to be able to mentor kids and teach baseball at the same time. And I just knew with his formula, um, he was going to be great. Uh, and people were going to be drawn to him because he just treats people the right way. And he wants to always do the right thing. Um, and so I jumped in. And so now that I'm done, I've been more hands on and we have grown from, one facility with four cages to we took over the whole building so now we have 16 cages and oh, wow. now we have four facilities looking to open up our fourth on march 1st which is skagit and we're going to be doing something a lot different um you know in washington they have it rains here a lot boys you guys know that right oh yeah um, oh yeah and it's and it's cold so as baseball players we spend a lot of time indoors uh fine-tuning our craft so this building we opened up, it's called, it's going to be in Skagit, um, Mount Vernon specifically. It's 24,000 square feet, wide open, no poles, and we're going to run um, games out of there in the winter for the youth to be able to play um, while at the same time guarding and protecting kids' arms so they're not, they're not throwing all year long. We're going to be uh, creative in the way we do that. Um, but being able to do that, hold these massive infield camps that, that were so instrumental in my life growing up. Um, some of the best infielders in, this, in the country grew up here for a while, and we've kind of lost that. So trying to bring that back. So uh, we're super excited about that. We're partnering with a couple of people. We've still got some contract stuff to work out, um, but it, all things look good. Um, and we're excited to open up that on March 1st. So everybody should be looking out for that. Yeah, I, I think that's great. And like one thing you said there is you don't want kids to like be thrown too much. And that that's one of the things people talk about. Like you can play baseball year round now, but like you shouldn't be pitching year round. You shouldn't be going 100 percent year round and just because you're just going to wear yourself out. And you see these like high school kids get in Tommy John. So like it, it seems like you got a good thing going there with infield thing and just having indoor games and not focusing too much on, you know, just doing high, high intensity stuff all year round. 100 percent. And we, we kind of. We demoed this a little bit in the fall, and we we ran instructs, which is uh, basically for the minor leaguers. They, uh, when I was playing pro ball, at the end of every year, you'd go and you basically try and learn, fine tune some crafts, play different positions, and really really play without with some failure and learn how to make those mistakes and get better. Um, and we did that, and there was a huge volume, but we did it with one um, stipulation that there would be no pitchers, nobody would be thrown. We were going to bring in former uh pros and college pitchers to throw to these kids so that they didn't have to throw they were just going to take their arms off and work on playing the field and it was awesome to be honest with you wow. it was a knockout and we're going to continue to do that as long as we can because 
we're all about protecting kids, even if the coaches and, and parents don't want to protect them. Um, but at the same time, uh, giving them high level knowledge. Yeah, that, that's a that's a big thing for kids. It's like you, you they want to, the parents want the kids to be like, okay, the next big thing, you got to go out and do everything. But yeah, having people like you, having coaches and having mentors that know what like young people's bodies can and shouldn't be doing is hugely important for growing the uh, next generation of the game. No doubt about it. All right. So speaking of young generational talent, I got to ask you about a current Mariner, if you're okay with that. Give it to me. Kelnick. I know you worked with him on his timing and I have like a running thing. This is episode 28. And I think I have mentioned Jared's name like 28 times now. Um, <laughs> at least <laughs> and it's 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 just a thing at this point but i know you helped him with his timing was that back in march i think that's right uh is that something that you think has stuck with him since then because i know he got sent down again and it seems like every time he goes down to tacoma he tweaks his swing a little bit so is that i don't try to think how i want to formulate this is that timing thing is that something that you think he's still doing or do you think he's kind of reverted back to a little bit of off timing he was before um here's what i would say so jared um uh, first of all i love jared okay jared is about as intense as they come but man this kid cares he wants to be good right like he there's there's one thing you can't teach and that's this this inspiration to want to be the best in the game. Um, now, sometimes that's his biggest fault, right? Is like he cares almost too much that he can't relax and just go have fun. And um, do I think he still works? Yeah, I still think he, he takes that um, for sure. Here's what I would say about this coming year. I think Jared's going to go off, if you just ask me. I think, I think yeah. he's going to put it all together. I think every time, and I watched Harper do this in 2014, when he wasn't struggling as bad as Jared was in his first couple of years, but he definitely wasn't living up to the hype. Um, and then we went to playoffs in 2014, and he had some of these big at-bats and these big moments and worked some walks, hit, hit a couple homers off Hunter Strickland, and it just catapulted him into the next year, right? Because anybody who's played in playoffs, that environment is just something completely different than the regular season. And no matter how hard you try – it will never match the intensity in the regular season. And so it almost calms you down in the regular season. And you're like, this isn't nearly as intense. The pressure's not nearly as high. And I can handle this because I've been in the highest pressure. I think that's going to help him going forward. On top of that, I've seen some of the adjustments he's made in his swing. Um, he's been very proactive on that. And he is locked and loaded and ready to go. And he's fully bought into what he's worked on. And as long as he stays focused on what he's trying to accomplish, I, I could see him being an all-star. And I say that with full confidence. Uh, Hearing I think, you say that makes me so happy. Yeah, I think that definitely could happen this year because it seems like he's going into the season. Maybe the past few years, he didn't know if he'd have like a roster spot if he struggled. But now, given how the Mariners lineup looks like, it looks like he has that left, left field spot pretty much locked down, at least to start the season. Should be batting in the bottom of the order. Not too much pressure, like you said, that he played in the playoffs. So, yeah, Kalnick has been a guy that I, I've gotten uh, burnt on in fantasy baseball the past few years. But he, he's someone I'm, I may just go right back to this year. Yeah, take a shot at him. I, so to what you're saying, I think that's the biggest mistake that the Mariners made with him. I think they hit, they put him at the top of the order. They hit mm -hmm. him number one. 
they hyped him up so much. And you guys got to remember, this is an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid. Like, he's just trying to figure out life. And when you try and put someone like that who actually cares and you put the weight of a franchise on his shoulders, it's not going to go well. I'm just telling you that. Like, Julio, it almost didn't go well for. Uh, luckily, yeah. there were some good good people around him, and he's very mature um, to pull himself out of it. But you just can't. I'm a firm believer, just like the Dodgers do a good job of this. Is like, just let your kids play in the minor. You don't need to hype them up. You don't need to make them be the next superstar. Let the rest of the world do that and just be there for them. Be a support system. So, you know, when they come up, like when I came up, I was hitting eighth. I, I hit behind Adam LaRoche and Ian Desmond and all these guys. And my job was just to have quality at bats. There was no pressure for me to win the game. But I'll tell you what, if, if somebody popped me in the one hole with that lineup, I would have felt a lot of pressure to succeed. <laughs> and that would have been tough. And so I think that's the one mistake. And I think Jerry in the front office would admit that to you. Um, but I think going forward now, I think he's ready to handle anything that's thrown at him. Do you think, because I know they brought in – uh, a platoon for him this year so that he kind of doesn't have to play as much against lefties is having is getting platooned going to put him in a better position to succeed or does something like that kind of eat at you mentally a little bit like maybe I'm not good enough maybe I should have worked on something a little more because I, I like the idea of taking the pressure off of him having to face lefties because he's I mean he only hit like 130 against lefties last year which isn't that great and maybe just anything to lighten the load a little bit and let him try and get some success against the righties, play the solid defense. He was an elite defender last year. And I, it, it just seems like this is something that should help him, but I don't know if platooning is something that mentally kind of wears on you a little as a major leaguer. Um, I, that's a very layered question. Uh, or I would say that – I would say this – each person is different, right? Um, some people really thrive in platoon roles um, because they know what they're good at and they stick to that and they feel comfortable with what they know what they're getting. They know how to handle it. They know their role and they're good. That's not the answer for everyone. Um, and I don't think it's as common of an answer when you're young like Jared is. Um, but I do think this is what I think about the situation. And I would guess without talking to Jerry, this is what he's thinking is, I think they're going to give him a chance to play against lefties. Um, and I think that if he shows that he can't hit, I think they have AJ, right? And so yeah. um, it's perfect. It's it's a, hey, we believe in you, and we're going to give you some runway, but we're, we're also World Series contenders, right? So it's the, the reality, like, I, we do believe you can get it. How much runway do you have? No, I don't know. Um, but I do think he will. I think he'll benefit from the shift being gone especially against lefties, to be able to be out front and roll the ball over into the four hole. I think that's going to benefit him a lot. Um, and I think you'll see his average raise out a ton. But again, I'm telling you, his swing, it looks amazing right now. Um, and he's going to benefit from that, being able to stay inside the ball a lot better and drive the ball the other way, which when you're same side, right on right, left on left, you have to be able to let the ball get deep and hit the ball the other way. So I'm telling you, I know I'm, I'm I sound like I'm beating a dead horse here, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm pushing my chips all in on here this year. That, that, that's what Blake has been doing pretty much for the past few months here. So it's it's, it's good to hear from from somebody else, especially <laughs> a former major leaguer. And, and you mentioned the shift there is 
is a big thing for me is like I don't think enough people are talking about how much that's going to impact everything. As someone who played in the majors, you know, while it's the three true outcome, home run, walk, strikeout, how much do you think that's going to impact just like the everyday playing, and how much, how long do you think it's going to take to uh, for guys to get acclimated to it? Um, I don't think it'll take long for them to get acclimated to. I think it'll be a huge blessing. I think it'll be more evident in lefties, and then I think you'll see. Like the ground ball up the middle has been gone in baseball. Like you, mm-hmm. you just can't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. And that, that is such a clean part of baseball that in the past is so beautiful for the fans to see. I, I remember talking to Albert, and Albert must have lined out. I mean, when playing them to, to the shortstop playing right behind second base. I, I mean, I've seen it ten times at least. That's a great. That's what you train your whole life to do is hit a line drive and to say no, you're not going to do that anymore because we're going to play the most elite defense through the analytics ever, <laughs> yeah. which is great. Like they're good at that, but that's not why people are coming to the game. And I think we, we have to lose sight of that. And you can't blame the front office because they're just trying to get every advantage that they have. Right. So, um, but for the, the purity of the game, I think it's going to be great. And I think you're going to see a lot of lefties really benefit from it. Cause that rollover into the four hole, when you're not feeling good, that's a lifesaver. I can still roll over to the six hole and that's a long throw for Francisco Lindor to get me out. Now, he can definitely do it, but it's a lot harder to shift all <laughs> the way over there, right, than I I smoke a ball into right field and Manny Machado is running it down on the track when he's playing third base. We don't need to see that anymore. That, that's gone, right? So um, I, I do think you'll see a ton more hits um, through it, and it'll you know what it'll do more than anything? It's going to create action again. There's going to be that ground ball base hit, runner on first, you know, you're going to be able to move. There'll be cleaner double plays. It'll, the game will move a lot cleaner. Yeah, well, one of the best things in baseball I heard someone say, and I completely agree with it, is just the ground ball hit between the shortstop and third base. Like, they both dive for it. It just gets right through them for a base hit. I, I'm excited to see more stuff like that. And like you said, with the with hitting it up the middle, yeah, you're watching on TV. You see the ground ball up the middle. You're like, okay, that, that's a good hit there. And But nope, it's just in prior years, the shortstop has been right there. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see how, how it's going to impact everything. Yeah, and you know, like, there's something deep down in your soul when you see, like, J.P. Crawford just catch a routine ball standing behind second base. You're like, that's just not right, you know? Like, it's something that just inner turmoil, whether or not it's like, oh, hey, nobody says, like, man, great job on the Mariner or on the, you know, the Royals for shifting right there. Like, that, good job on them. They're like, (laughs) oh, man, I can't believe you're standing there, right? Like, that's that's more what you do. And so we got to be able to combat that. And I think MLB is doing a good job of that. One thing I wanted to ask you about, I'm kind of jumping around here, but 2017, you had one hell of a season. You're one of five players with 30 plus home runs, 16 plus steals. What was it that season that was just, I don't want to say so much better than the others, but uh, was so much more productive than all your other seasons? Oh, you can say it. It was better than the others for sure. (laughs) I'm not ashamed of it. I think there's two realities that came into play there. Um, Number one, I was healthy. Uh, from start to finish, I never went on the DL. And that was, unfortunately, it's really sad to sit here and say that was my only year that I did that. Um, I just ran into some really bad injuries throughout my career. Um, you know, you could pause every single year. You know, 2015, I was leader for rookie of the year. I had 15 homers at the break, and then I broke my hand twice in the second half, right? So could have hit 30 that year. And then 2016, I get off and I'm leading all of the big leagues in war. And then in June, 
Um, you know, I'm hitting about 270 or 260 with 12. That's a pretty good year going forward, and I tear my hip labrum, right? And then I have to miss four weeks of that, and then never really the same coming back off that injury until September. So, and then 2018, tear my pec, 2019, my knee. So it's just like there's these things that kind of just put a halt in the most season. 2017, there was none of that. So I was able to just keep going and ride the waves and build my momentum. And um, I owe a lot of that. Um, to be able to keep building my momentum to my hitting coach I had that year, who was Chad Matola, who basically um, got me to just compete, man, like take all the stuff that was around me, get out of my own way and just say, hey, go in there and you're just going to win the battle. Um, and that's one thing I preach to the players here that I work with is like when it's time to step in that box, it's time to win the battle. Um, and I was just having fun having fun, enjoying it, being in the moment and competing. And the numbers ended up speaking for themselves. I mean, yeah. How did, sweet does it oh, Go ahead, Ryan. I was going to ask you if you got any of those uh, random drug tests more often that year. <laughs> you know what? I don't think I did. I think I had less, to be honest with you. It was kind of weird. Yeah. Next year, I Ooh. had a lot. I had a lot the next year, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> How sweet is it to hit 30 home runs in a season? Um. Yeah, it, it was pretty cool. I didn't really, I'll tell you, I'm being quite like transparent against, I didn't even realize like the milestones I was hitting because I was so, I was enjoying the game so much in my team and everything. It wasn't until I got 29 that I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm about to hit 30 homers and it's not even September yet. And I was hitting like 265 with like 29 in Kansas City. I just hit one up in Vargas. And I was like, this is insane. Like, if you'd have told me that this sitting at a 4 9 war, like all these things, in that moment it hit me, I struggled the rest of the year because I lost track of just playing the game. I, I tried to hit that 30 for a while, and I had the worst September I've ever had in my career. So, what should have been a year where I hit about 255, 260 with 35, I ended up hitting 239 with 30. Um, but I'm not sitting here complaining about that year. It was pretty amazing to hit 30. Uh, got a bit of a fun question here. I'm a uh, Phillies fan in Philadelphia. Uh, looking at your baseball reference page, you've only played four games since Bank Park. Um, do you enjoy cheesesteaks, and how good are the ones in the uh, visiting clubhouse? Oh, they're so good. They're amazing. <laughs> Man, I can't I can't even – like, I look at those records they have there. Yeah. Um, I can't. It's too heavy for me. I don't know how people – I would throw up. Like, after three, I'm done. Uh-huh. Like, But they are amazing. <laughs> I loved Philly. Anywhere that was hostile, I loved playing there because the passion that the fans show, it brings the best out of you for some people. Um, and it brought the best out of me. Like I wanted I wanted you to hate me mm-hmm. as much as you could, like say bad things about me because it fo- it made me focus, right? It was like, yeah, I'm really in this fight. Um, and Philly fans are great. They're for their team and they're hard on their team. They want they they appreciate success more than a lot of different places. Um, but I loved Philly, and I I love cheesesteaks. I would have loved to play there if I ever did. Yeah, I mean, I, I see those cheesesteak records. Is like I think the, one of the records is like a, a bullpen catcher or bullpen clutch at like twenty something in like a three day span, or like one. I, I, it's just something something insane. Yeah, uh, one of them is my good friend Chad Chop. You know, he uh, he was a a video guy for um, the Giants, and I think he was like. I can't remember. It's like eight or nine. And I'm like, that's that's too much. You you should go to the ER. 
Your cholesterol is going to oh. be way too high. <laughs> he, he had 10. I just found the uh, the image online. Yeah. He had 10. I mean, that's, what are you doing? You know, like you're you're asking to go to the ER at that point. How, how do you fit that in your body? 10 G-sticks. That's, I don't know. That's incredible. That is incredible. Uh, and one thing I wanted to ask about as well is the – so the strobe glasses. I'm not going to lie yes. to you. I had never heard of those in my life. How long yep. did you use those for? Yeah, from 2012 to 2020, I used them. Um, and in my first couple of years in Tampa, nobody would throw them to me. They would just kind of be sporadic. And that was one. That was my routine in the minor leagues. Was I? I didn't really hit in the cage. I just hit these little wiffle balls out on the field with these strobe goggles to just train my eyes to just. How can I take these adjustments into the game? How, how do I make my body feel like I'm back in the box? So then I can kind of get to a place where I know this is this is similar, so this swing will work in the box. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, it was more of like a mental thing. Like it was chaos, controlled chaos. And that's what the game is. It's fast. It's happening. You don't know what's coming. Um, you can't see the ball that well sometimes. And so being able to, to do that with these adjustments was huge. And so – that was one thing that Motor did every single day. We went out uh, during 2017, and he threw those balls. Never again did, was anybody willing to commit with me to do that, which is disappointing. <laughs> um, I didn't have hitting coaches to do that. Um, and, but but uh, I loved it, man. Steve Lombardozzi is the one who gave it to me in 2012. He showed it to me. And uh, this cool story, I, was, I, I did make the team out of camp. And the Miley's went to extended and I, I didn't have a lot of money. And um, Steve had these glasses and I looked them up online. They were Nike strobes and it was like $365. And I'm like, I can't pay for that. Like, I don't have that kind of money. So I didn't make the team. I'm going to fly home. And when I'm flying home, the, you know, they call out loud. The, the, the girl at the front desk, the lady at the front desk is like, you know, hey, we've overbooked our flight. If anybody would be willing to, to wait and take the next flight, which is like an hour and a half later, like it wasn't that crazy, we'd be willing to give them like cash. And I was like, all right, yeah, like I could do that. So <laughs> I go up there and I'm not I'm not kidding. Like this stuff, you can't make this up. I go up there and she gives me a check for three hundred and sixty five dollars. <laughs> and I was like, I, I went right to my phone and I bought those glasses right away and I used them ever since. How amazing is that, right? Like this cool That's story. That's like, nice. I know it. And so, like, um, I used it to basically try to learn how to hit velo, try to see the ball better, and it was the best thing um, that ever happened to me, to be quite frank with you. Is is the velocity in the majors, I know, like, like 90, seeing someone from 98 isn't really special now. Like, is that hard to get used to after coming up in the minors? Is, is it, like, more about, like, you know, pitch placement and pitching versus throwing or, or fastball compared to off speed. Like how is that something you, you get quickly acclimated to when everyone's throwing that fast or, or how, how did that work for you? No, I think the hardest thing is that everybody throws that hard, but they want to throw their breaking ball. Like you don't see that in the minor leagues. Like if you throw hard, you throw your fastball, you know? And then when you get to the big, it's like, like Luis Severino, it's like, Oh yeah, I throw a hundred, but I'll throw you 49% sliders. So you can't you can't just jump on a heater. So trying to figure that out is probably one of the biggest adjustments in the big leagues is like, how am I ready for 100 
but can at least battle with the slider? Or what do I got to look for so I'm not chasing this 87-mile-an-hour slider in the dirt, right? Um, Dylan Batances, 86-mile-an-hour curveball, right? Throwing 100, 101. Like, how am I supposed to combat that? You don't see those type of types of pitchers in the minor leagues. They're just not there very long. So that guys that have good breaking balls and can throw them, uh, that with the high velocity, that is the biggest challenge in the big leagues, in my opinion. And you're seeing more of it, like the pitch shapes, the pitch designs that guys are developing on a daily basis and organizations are taking the next level every single year to be able to do. They're just pitching is reigning supreme um, over and over again because they hold the ball in their hands so they can do whatever they want with it. Um, and I think that that's why you're seeing these movements in in offense to pull the shift back all these things because they're like pitching is just taken to another level. When I got into the league, everybody was still throwing kind of 88 to somewhere between 88 to 95. And by the time I left, I didn't see very many of those 88. If they did, they were throwing, they were circus pitchers throwing from the ground, scraping their knuckles on the ground or throwing from the side, having like, you know, 25 inches of vertical. If there's something tricky, if you were throwing 88, but you didn't see those guys anymore. Yeah, one of those guys that throws off that I, I know he's been on podcasts before is Rich Hill. He he's he's always one that talks about you know he, he, we're not we're not throwing you're pitching and that's how he's been so successful. I mean he has a career ERA of three eight five and like he's forty two now going on forty three. He's gonna probably sign somewhere. So like I, I love pitchers like I I love Jamie Moyer in the 08 World Series. So hopefully we, we can we can see more of that. But but with the velocity just going up and up, I don't I don't foresee that happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because, you know, from a front office standpoint, you look at it like in the playoffs, if you throw gas and you could strikeouts win, right? Like mm-hmm. those things will be beneficial in the playoffs because you know what you're going to get. You, you can't like if a guy who's off throwing hard throws it over the middle, he can still get swing and misses. If a guy that's off throwing 88 down the middle, he's going to get waffled. Right. So there's a there's a much smaller room for air. But there's a there's a much better, uh, I think, lo- longevity of those guys, which is what we don't have in baseball right now. We don't have the longevity that uh, we used to have where guys are throwing 200 innings, they're under control, they know where they're throwing, and that's what we're missing. Yeah, I think there was only like 10 or 12 pitchers that hit 200 innings last year, which is nuts. I know like back when Felix was pitching, he he pitched like 250 innings a year. And that wasn't even that long ago. I mean, I guess now it was like 10 years ago, but it doesn't feel like that long ago. Uh, but when you were up at the major leagues, did you have a pitcher that stood out to you as like this the hardest pitcher I've ever faced? Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And you can go look up my career numbers. It was Chris Sale. He Ooh. just like he was so funky to me. I mean, he played with you a little bit like. He would throw 90 early in the count, and then he'd use 99 to put you away at times. Then he had this slider that I can't really explain. It felt like it broke twice. You had to look for it in the other batter's box. And when he was on, like, he was – I thought he was the toughest to beat. Um, and it's – I really I, – I, he is such a good competitor out there. I am just praying that he can get healthy again because Boston needs him. And I know he wants to be out there so bad. So I, I enjoyed competing against him, and he owned me. That's for sure. I'm sure it's not exactly a good comparison, but like playing against him in MLB The Show is also he's insanely hard to hit <laughs> with that uh, with that wind up. Hey, see, you know what I'm talking about. You get it. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just looked up your numbers. 
your yeah, one for that. 21. One for 21 with 13, 13 Ks. So I'll give 13. you a little credit. Only 13. Oof, it felt like 20 strikeouts. That's what it felt like. You got, you got a hit, though. You got a hit. I did, and I started off one for three um, against them. Uh, and then I was like, I'm going to get this guy. And then he just owned me. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine how hard that must be as a lefty to face him, because you were a righty, and you, you say he's the hardest you faced. Yeah, that's what was sad. I should have. There's so many righties I faced, but he was the hardest. He just always, he was always one step ahead of me. I mean, you played for a few different organizations. Were any of them like specifically a step ahead in terms of like analytics? I know the Rays are kind of one of the ones probably 15 years ago now, but I'm not sure if they're still like ahead or any cool like video tools that one team used over the other. Um, the Dodgers and the Rays for sure were far and beyond uh, what everybody else was doing. Uh, the Astros too. I was in w- with them for a little bit, um, but the Rays and the Dodgers. For sure, the Dodgers were always because of their their budget. Um, they were always trying to find ways inside the margins, um, whether that was useful VR tools. They were the first ones on VR. Um, they were just always looking for an edge outside using technology, um, which I was always interested in listening to to find an edge any way I could. So we were a match made in heaven. And then LA, um, just their the resources and the teaching they have. Um, some of the guys that they've locked up that aren't really you don't really know about that are in either in the minor leagues or you don't know how much impact they really have in the organization. They've got some of the best people in baseball and they're not going anywhere because they they treat their staff, employees and players better than anyone I've ever been with. Um, and, you know, I think that's why you see a lot of guys, a lot of veterans with second chances try to go there. Um, a lot of young kids love to play there and coaches are always trying to get there. Um, because of the way that Andrew treats people um, and even Will Rhymes, like in the minor leagues, they just, the culture there is off the charts. And so um, they use that technology. You trust them with that technology that they, they use. Um, I don't want to give away all their secrets and put it all out there, uh, but they do have some uh, unbelievable tools. The one, there's one play that I wanted to ask you about. I'm kind of still jumping around, but so Jordan Zimmerman's no-no. That diving catch that you made, what in the hell was going through your head when you made that? Don't drop this ball. Uh, (laughs) The night before, I played left field, and I dropped, like, I dropped a routine ball, like, right at me, just clanked it. And so I was the last one on the bench, and when they sent me out there, I'm like, the last memory I have is dropping a ball out here. And if that happens again, I'm going to get booed out of this city. So I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm squeezing it two hands, making sure I watch it all the way in. I was doing hand-eye drills down in the tunnel to make sure that nothing would happen. And then, you know, I came in. To, we got two quick outs. And Yelich comes up, and our outfield coach is like, we're not getting beat on a blooper. Like, if he's going to beat you, he's going to beat you over his head. And so that Jordan could live with it. And that's the way they used to do things. Um, and so I was like, all right. So I moved in and over towards the line. And of course, like as soon as I did that, the next pitch, Yellows hits one right in the gap. And I, I remember just being so <laughs> angry at my, at Tony Tarasco, who I love, by the way. And I'm like, I cannot believe he put me there. I'm going to ruin this. You know, I'm never going to play in the big league. And as I'm running, I'm like, 
I'm, I'm probably running faster than I've ever ran in my life. Like that's how it felt. I don't know if statistics show that, but I was running snot bubbles. Like I was running away from a dog and <laughs> the closer I got, I was like, I'm going to have a shot. And I, I had looked over at Michael, Michael Taylor, and he was too far away. So I was like, at that point when I recognized that, uh, in a split second, I was like, this is mine or it's nobody's. And so I put my head down and I went there and I got there and the angle that was so weird that I remember approaching the ball. It was like almost, I overran it a little bit, um, and got there quicker. But at the same time, the ball was still kind of, um, to the track. And when I hit, when that ball hit my glove, I just remember thinking I'm getting my other hand in there as soon as I can and covering that thing up. And it was just, <laughs> I could hear the crowd go crazy. And it felt like we won the world series in that moment. And to be able to end the season like that was unbelievable. Unbelievable. To say the least. I just pulled up that play and like your, your reaction to the cats, you're just so pumped up. It's just, it, 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 just watching it gives me goosebumps. Yeah, that was a cool moment, man, that I'll share with those guys forever. I got to give you a little credit. Kind of similar to that Jim Edmonds diving over the shoulder catch in center field. I mean, you're a little bit – you're at a little bit of an angle, but it's very similar. Yeah, for sure, and that's what was – it was tough. That was the toughest part is the angle I had to – I had to dive, like, backwards, Um which I had never really done ever in my life and never did again. That was the only time I ever did that. So I'm glad that that ball stuck in my glove and uh, I was able to squeeze it for the city. All right. Well, Steven, it has been awesome having you on with us. Really appreciate you coming by. Uh, where can the people find you and Base by Pros at? Yeah, you can go online at uh, Base by Pros Academy and uh, come check out our facilities. We have one in Lake Stevens and Wenatchee and Linwood is our main facility, which is the one I'll be at uh, most often. Uh, we have an app. You can download our Base by Pros app um, and find uh, openings there. Um, and just come on through, man, uh, at BaseByPros.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Sousa Jr. Um, yeah, any, any one of those things, come come be a part of the culture we're trying to change the community do some cool things change lives and uh create some good baseball players at the same time so appreciate you boys having me on let me use uh this platform to uh help better some kids and some families out absolutely i've been uh talking with blake uh, saying I, I need to go out to seattle maybe next year for the uh winter classic out there at t-mobile parks maybe i'll uh check out some of your facilities and when i'm when i'm over there uh, oh, it was a great, great time having you on hopefully we can uh, have you on again absolutely boys Until next time. Yeah, have a good one. All right.